I hate to make you stand again, but why don't you stand? If you meet me in the 84th Psalm, 84th Psalm, Psalm 84. Psalm 84. When you get there, say something. Just cut the Bible in half and you are there. Psalm 84. God, we thank you, we praise you, we glorify you, declaring there is no one like you, no one besides you anywhere. Now speak to us like only you can. Take us from where we are to where you've called us to be. Establish us. The center of your will. We'll give you glory for it, honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also covered with pools. They go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. I want you right before you take your seats because you don't know who needs it. Everyone looks like they're good. But I want you to look at a few people around you squarely in their eye and tell them you're going to make it through this leg of the race. You're going you're gonna to make it through this leg of the race. Alright, tell them to sit down. I'm not going to labor over this too long. I promise you I'll get you out today before your parking needs validation. <laughs> That's my church growth strategy. <laughs> I was um, sharing with a group of leaders this year, the organization that does great work in the city, their team, their staff, leaders, uh, who had, had been through a difficult time, a really difficult year. I mean, quite honestly... <laughs> who hasn't had a difficult journey for the last year and a half. But I was reminded as I was talking to them about how important it is from time to time to, to slow down, to just slow down for a heart to heart. Actually, logistically, if there wasn't so much going on today, baptism after this, and we had our guest, I would have had a living room set up here and I would have just sat on the couch and had a family conversation if I could have. So imagine I'm sitting on a couch right now in family conversation because there's a need for a heart to heart. Often people show up, whether it's here at church, whether it's you sitting in the congregation, the folks that have to sing up here, stand on stage, me delivering a message, or whether it's work, your working environment. You often see people in the condition they're in when they get there, but you don't know what they had to fight through even to show up. 
I remember um, being a younger minister because I'm still young. I don't have my hair and there's a little salt and pepper, but I'm young, y'all. Still young. But when I was a younger minister, just getting started, I, I used to love to go and hear communicators that can transport you. I mean, people that were national and international names. If I could get to the front or the, uh, the second or third or fourth row, if I could just get in the building, I would love to sit there and, and listen to them. My mother told me that I used to, she, they used to find me when I was a kid listening to them at three and four years old. I'd be huddled up on a radio somewhere listening to these, these communicators. I, I, I love, love to do that. And there are times where they transport you from where you are to where God wants you. I mean, you can come in there depressed and you leave inspired. You can come in there broken, feeling like God doesn't love you and he's forgotten about you. But you leave that room feeling like you're the only one. And if God, if you had been the only one on earth, God would have still sent his son Christ to die for you. I mean, you leave feeling like you're God's favorite. Anybody ever been in an environment where you came in depressed but you left feeling like God's favorite? I actually love that. I, I remember one, one, one conference, a guy came to town and he sang at the end, I believe I can fly. And that time I wasn't on the floor, I was in the balcony. And I'm telling you, I was so transported, I looked up. By the time I caught myself, I was leaning over the balcony, half of my body flapping my wings like this and didn't care who saw me. I, I was an eagle. I was not an individual. It transported me. And there are times where these great names, you would see them and you, you would say to yourself, that was good. There are other times where it was cool and you think, I can do that. What I didn't realize was that the individual who was standing doing that wasn't in my situation. I was at my grandmother's house living for free and my only two responsibilities were my cell phone bill and my $275 car payment that I got at auction. And if I crafted for two months, I could get up there and do what they did, but I underestimated until later in life what they had to get through to even stand to say anything. If I was able to peer beyond the curtain of performance to some of the behind the scenes. I would have realized, I would have celebrated the fact that they just showed up considering all that they had to do, considering budgets, considering multi-million dollar deals, considering conflict in their own family, considering trouble with their own children, considering their world crumbling at times. When they walked in the building, I should have just applauded because they showed up against all odds. But I realized that pastors and preachers and ministers aren't the only ones that are on stages. Yes, sometimes we're on stages with lights and technology behind us. But the reality is all of us are on stage. Whether you're a mother or whether you show up at work, you, you show up to function, you show up to perform. And what people don't know is all it took and all you had to fight through just to be there. If, if you knew that folks narrowly circumvented suicide before they showed up to their cubicle, you would tolerate their, their attitude a little bit differently. Whether you're a crossing guard or whether you save someone's life or whether you, God uses you as his instrument to save someone's soul or whether you're just a stay-at-home mother or father, the reality is there's so much that we underestimate. 
goes into just you showing up. You ought to thank the person sitting next to you just for being here. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and thank them, thank them, thank them just for being here. Because life will wear you out. I'll drink to that. Go ahead and drink that cranberry juice. I've taught this passage as an illustration of life's journey, but it can also be illustrated in many respects as a race. This is a passage that speaks of people that are on a journey. I would like to visualize it maybe because I used to be a runner. Notice I said used to be a runner. I can illustrate it as a race. And if this leg of the race has been particularly challenging for you, there's help in this passage. I don't know of a greater picture snapshot of this Christian journey or of this life than really this idea of a race. That's why Paul uses it so many times. In fact, in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, he begins to speak of this faith as a race. He says it's a race that, interestingly, requires perseverance. It's a race that requires perseverance because, listen, the circumstances of life will wear you thin. It'll wear on you. I, I used to be fearful of instant challenges. I don't wait for the other shoe to drop anymore, but what will get you is a wearing thin of your resolve. I mean, you start off pretty well, but if challenges are persistent for long enough, if, what does the Bible say? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. If there's anything that will wear you low, it's thinking that things are going to change only for it to have to go on another day, another week, another month. It doesn't have to be anything extremely powerful, but a wearing thin like, like water. You see the Grand Canyon and you wonder how the Grand Canyon has those deep rivets and canyons. It's, it's just persistent. The flow of water over time wearing away at something that was stationary. The truth is the same in our life. The longer there's a challenge, the longer there's difficulty, the longer hope is deferred, the longer I stay in this trial, if not careful and not conscious of it, there is a wearing down, a wearing thin of my faith, of my resolve. And quite honestly, this life can wear your conviction and declaration about who God is out of your life. And I don't have time to go through this because I'm trying to redeem the time. But if I did have time, I'll tell you that Jesus says no one uh, born of a woman was greater than John the Baptist before the kingdom of God. That means from Genesis all the way to Matthew, there was no one born, he said, of a woman. That's everybody. Everybody. He says no one is greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist did his assignment perfectly to prepare the way of the Lord. However... When John the Baptist's circumstance changed, when he went from freely declaring the word of God out in the wilderness 
to being jailed and put on death row. His declaration changes. The disciples come to him and they say, John, um, we had some good church over there just a minute ago. It shows you that miracles don't even create faith when you're worn low. Let me try this side. They're asleep right there. Let me turn the lights on. Uh, miracles don't even create faith when you're worn down. They come and say, John, Jesus just raised this woman's son from the dead. I mean, they're praising. They came from amazing church service. They come to John. They say, you're not going to believe what Jesus is doing out there. G John looks at him and says, oh, yeah? Well, you go ask this miracle worker. Is he the one? Or should we look for somebody else? The greatest man? Born of a woman? Smacks his teeth and has the audacity to send his disciples back to Jesus to ask, is he the Messiah? He had evidence in, that we didn't have. He had the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit, the, the one most of us respond to on a regular basis. He said, the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me that the one you see the Spirit fall on remain, that is the Son of Man. He had the internal witness of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was who he said he was. Not only did he have the internal witness of the Holy Spirit, but he had the visible witness of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was who he said he was. Because he physically saw in bodily form the Holy Spirit fall in the form of a dove onto Jesus baptism. So he had the internal witness of the Holy Spirit. He had the visual witness that Jesus was who he says he was. Not only did he have the visual witness, he had the auditory witness that Jesus was who he says he was. Because the Bible said the voice of the Father came from heaven at Jesus' baptism and said this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He had internal testimony, visual testimony and auditory testimony. More than most of us have, yet when he's thrown into prison, put on death row, it seems as if hope is lost, he loses his faith. Is he the one? What happens when expectation does not match reality, there is frustration. And I believe I'm looking at some folks You've been in this challenge too long and expectation does not seem to be matching reality. And like John, you may not be questioning whether God is who God says God is, but you're questioning the fidelity of God. Will God come through? Will I make it through this? Your faith has been worn low. That's why I love Paul. He uses this analogy of a race. We're going to get back to the 84th Psalm and see it in the, through the lenses of the race. He uses it as a race. And he does not declare that this is a general race or a sprint. But it's implied that this is, requires longevity. It's a marathon. He said, run this race with perseverance in Hebrew 12. Perseverance. Say Perseverance. Because if you have run a race, um, the longer the race, the more instruction you need. The longer the race, <laughs> the more encouragement you need. The longer the race, the more fatiguing, the more you grapple with giving up. 
The longer the race, the more you say, I know I've come a long way, but forget about it now. Everything in you wants to give up. The longer the race, the greater the conditioning for that race. There's a difference in between a sprint and a marathon. As we look at our life, there's a difference in our journey between a sprint and a marathon. I ran track for Polly, and here is your instruction the day of if you really practice on a sprint, 100 meters. You ready? Gunfire, ready, set, go. Here's your coach's instruction. Get out! And good job. That's it. Because by the time you start the race, the race is over. By the time you start the race, that leg of the journey, it's over. It doesn't require a whole bunch of conversation. It doesn't require a whole lot of strategy. The day of, you better get out, drive, keep your knees up, and turn over as you pump your arms. That's about it. But with every length or with the race being extended with every lap around there become there comes greater strategy there's a strategy in the 400 that there's not in the 100 there's a strategy in the 800 there's not in the 400 there's a strategy when you run a mile when you run a marathon there are stretches of the race that require strategy can i bring this home and bring this passage to bear here he starts off like like a good race Listen to the language. How lovely, Lord, is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul, Shakespearean, yearns, longs for the courts of the Lord. The sparrow has found a home. The swallow a place where she will nest her young. Swallows only nest in safe, secure places, absent of threat. This is peace. This is serenity. This speaks of the Stretches of the journey in our life where things are copacetic, where things are smooth, where things are going okay, where things are working out. You may have some challenges, but you get through them. Like the start of a race. Where everything is going good before it, perseverance is required. It paints this beautiful, serene picture. It reminds me of when I ran the Long Beach Marathon, and I'm going to get back to that in a minute. But then, in the middle of this, 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 this beautiful and serene picture, there is the word Selah. Selah. This word Selah was not meant to be read or spoken, but it was a musical notation. It was a notation to the singers, and most believe it was a period for the singers, as these song, psalms were songs that were actually sang. This word Selah, the idea Selah, is most believe. This is where people would shut up. The singers would stop singing the song they were singing and the musical interlude or the music would continue to play and the purpose of a Selah moment was a moment of reflection. A moment of reflection to think about, to ponder on, to sit with what was just said, what was just sang, what you just, were, what you just reflected on while simultaneously preparing you for what was about to be said, what was about to be brought in, what was about to be sang. If you see this as a journey of the journey of life or as the race of life, there are Selah moments. Moments that mark transition in our life. We didn't ask for it, but they mark transition where things go from smooth and copacetic 
to now challenging where money is flowing and you have everything you need to points where you're trying to figure out where it's coming from, where you're seeing eye to eye within the relationships in your life to where it feels as if things are falling apart. Selah moments here are marked in this passage transition from one place to another, from one leg of the race to another. Just like our life. Things are going smooth and there's hope, but then there's COVID. Things are going smooth and there's hope, but hope is deferred. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. It wears you down. It wears you out. Life will transition on you. It, it reminds me of when I, I ran this, this, the Long Beach Marathon. Life's like a race. I ran the Long Beach Marathon. I was on radio at the time. We were on, um, had a show called Real Life on KGLH. And um, I was on with my wife and there was somebody else there maybe. And, and we were on and I was announcing the Long Beach Marathon. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to run that. And my wife audibly laughed. <laughs> and there was only a couple people in the room, but half of LA was listening. Laughed at me. I said, girl, you know I ran track for Polly. She said, boy, that's like 15 years ago. I looked at her, I said, girl, once a jackrabbit, always a jackrabbit. She said, boy, she mouthed it. Negro, please. All the radio heard was please. And so at that point, I'm thinking, listen, my pride, Micah, my pride, my, my, that, that pride, you know, came over me. It's like, you can't tell me I can't run a marathon. It was a month away. So on live radio, we made a bet <laughs> that I can finish this marathon. And it was the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. I'm thinking you can go away. I get to church and, you know, the, the camp split. You know, half the church is like, Pastor, you can do it. The other half is like, you are crazy. I decided to do it with a month of, I didn't really train, I jogged two times <laughs> and took some pre-workouts. <laughs> Pre-workout can get you through a whole lot, can't it? <laughs> I get to the, I get to this, um, to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the place, I get to the, the, um, the starting line and people are staggered. So in the back, there are those that have, you know, limited mobility and some that have disability. You go up a little bit further, a little bit further, there are like, um, you know, um, seniors that are about 75 plus, mostly, right there. You go up a little bit further and it's people that, that look like they kind of work out sometimes, you know. Then you have a little bit further, it's people that, you know, just eat kashi for breakfast every morning. I mean, you could see it. They're lean, you know, the veins. And then you get up here, listen, forget it. I mean, these are like international, you know, track stars, I mean, marathon runners. And this is not a stereotype, okay? Don't judge me. Um, it's not a stereotype. I have pictures. It was the, the density of Kenyan brothers and Ethiopian brothers were up front. It was up front. I knew, okay? So I had to figure out where I was going to... Am I lying? Where's the lie? Where's the lie? I'm politically correct sometimes, but I mean, this is the truth. It's the truth. I have pictures. 
I digress. I had to figure out where I was going to stagger. And so I was like, no, not, them, not with the, the, the seniors. God bless them, but not with the seniors. I, I was, um, I said, you know, the people that go to the gym, I'm a little bit more athletic than them. I, you know, I'm, I'm a startup, you know, up here. I'm like, I'm not with them. They came, they, you know, this international competition right here. I'm like between, you know, I, so I, I filed in with the Kashi eaters. Like in front of that line. And so this race starts off, and I'm telling you, we all get out. You know, I have my full stride, you know, and I'm striding with all of them. I'm doing good. And as the race goes on, I mean, I'm starting out like this passage. How lovely is your dwelling place. Oh, Lord Almighty, the swallow has found a nest. The sparrow, a place, a home for her young. I'm like, I mean, just life is the season of life where everything's going good. I'm starting out like many of us start out our day all right we're gonna take the day we're gonna seize the day let's go get it i'm start start off this race um about five miles in i swore i was halfway finished and i looked up i said what's that five for is that five miles per hour we're supposed to run here they said no man you're making good progress you're five miles in i said the devil is a lie i have to be halfway finished about 10 miles in i get 10 miles in, and I feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> and here they come. The Kashi eaters are ahead. The people with buff arms but a pot belly that go to the gym <laughs> are running by me. A couple more miles, who's coming? That tortoise in the hair, that's for real. I don't understand the physics of it all, but it's true. They come scooting by me. And some of them saw how eager I was at the beginning in the how beautiful is your dwelling place stage of life. I mean, stage of the race. They have the nerve to scoot by me and smile and just scoot right on. These are the people that you go to the gym to work out in the morning. They're on the treadmill like this. You finish your workout after an hour. They're still on the treadmill like this. You go home, eat, you forgot your gym bag in your locker, come back to the gym, they're still on the treadmill like this. Do ne never sleep on them. Right past me. Listen, when life got real, I, I didn't realize that they understood how to journey properly. Notice this. It says that you, they go from how beautiful is your dwelling place, just like our lives, just like this journey we take, just like this marathon, this race to keep the faith that we're in. There are transitions. There are turns. Notice it goes from this idea of how beautiful is your dwelling place, Lord. Notice after the Selah, it is no longer how beautiful is your dwelling place. It is blessed are those whose strength is in you. Listen to me. It goes from this beautiful, serene, copacetic setting to now, okay, for this stretch of the journey, you're going to need to dig down and you're, you're not going to make it through this valley. You're not going to make it through this season if you do not find your strength in him. I wish I had time to labor through this, but you know that you're in a place of brokenness when your best friend can't fix this, when your political connections can't fix this, when your money cannot buy you out of this, but you can turn to no one but the Lord. He says there comes a time in this life where transition happens, where you move from things being smooth to having to dig deep to find your strength 
in the Lord. He says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. He goes on and says, who have set their heart on pilgrimage. Can I tell you who will not make it through valleys? Can I tell you who dies in valleys? Can I tell you who quits in marathons? People who do not understand what's ahead. He said, if you're going to make it through this valley called, we'll get there in a minute, the Valley of Baca, um, he says, not only will you have to find your strength in him, he says, number two, he says, they, they, they're who have set their heart on pilgrimage, who know that this life is not static, but it is dynamic. It will take you on a journey. You will wake up with realities that you didn't go to bed with. You will wake up often with crises that you did not ask for. This life will twist the road, it will throw curveballs at you, it will hit you from your blind side, from places you were not expecting. And here are the people who don't, don't make it. People who, don't, who assume that it is always static. People who assume that they'll see every challenge coming. He said, if you're going to make it through this valley, you need your strength in him, but you also need to set your heart on a pilgrimage. Knowing that this life will take you places you did not want to go and hold you longer than you wanted to be there. Yeah. So I about this last week. The, the word patience. The patience, long-suffering is the idea of being put under something. How long? Long-suffering. Write this down. Long-suffering. Definition, biblical definition of long-suffering. It means, it means to suffer long. <laughs> Write that down. What's long? How long is long? Long is... I don't want to be in this unpleasant situation. I don't want to be under this. Long is the second after I no longer want to be there but have to stay there. It becomes long-suffering. This life will take you on a journey. And here's... Have you ever gone with your California clothes to Colorado? I mean, you don't even have stuff in your closet for what they got up out there. I went to Germany one time in the dead of winter. I didn't know. Who Googles the weather? I got out there with that cute little windbreaker. That wind said, if you don't get back up on that plane. So I suffered. I mean, I suffered through it. I wanted to die. I dreaded life. I said, this must be what hell's like. All because I didn't have the forecast. If I had had the forecast, I would have had the proper coat to navigate a space seamlessly that became hell because I wasn't prepared for it. How do you not die in the valley? You, you know ahead of time. I'm not looking for it. I'm not wishing it upon me. But even walking with the Lord, the Lord says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I don't know what gospel they're preaching out there, but the gospel says there will be trial. There will be challenge. There will be trouble. There will be days of heaviness in this world, and sometimes it will catch you off guard and unexpected, but if you know that that is the weather report, you can put on what you need to put on in preparation for what's ahead. 
How do you get disappointed and foil when your expectation does not match reality, but when you expect that there will be trouble, when it comes, I wasn't looking for this, but you know what? The Lord told me that this was going to come. The Lord told me that every day wasn't going to be smooth. I'm not looking for a fight. I'm not looking to get into it. But if you want it, I'm trying to lecture, but y'all going to push me into something. Look at your neighbor. Tell them sometimes you have to be ready for a journey. It's not going to always stay static. It's not going to always stay serene. You're not gonna always going to be building nests and having your young. Sometimes you're going to face the brutality of a cold world. Listen, and for a prolonged period of time, that's this stretch of the race. Can I talk to somebody who's stuck in this stretch of the race and then we'll get out of here? Like every race, every marathon, I got to a point where I wanted to die. My hair hurt. <laughs> Prophetically, I don't even have hair. My hair hurt. Every part of my body hurt. I mean, when, you're, when, when you run so long, stuff that you don't even think of wears you out. I mean, you run so long, it's not your feet, it's not your leg cramps, it's just your shirt bouncing around like this. I was running, and the guy looked at me and said, dude, where are your nipple guards? I said, what are you talking about? How dare you? Where are yours? And I looked down. There was blood all over my shirt. Just the chafing from the bouncing of the shirt. I wasn't even expecting it. I didn't know. I wanted to look at him and say, this is my first time. I don't know anything about this. I have this bet with my wife from the radio. I almost ran these in some kung fu shoes. It'll wear you down. Listen to me. It'll, if you're not prepared, it'll wear you out. This journey will wear you out. Listen to me. If you're not prepared for this stretch of the race, there are stretches of the race where everything falls apart. You feel as if you cannot go on. And this is where you need strategy. And here in this passage, as it talks about this race or this juncture, this journey of the race, where does it go? He says that as you pass through in this race, you're going good at first, but in this race, in this life, you will hit the valley of Baca. What is the valley of Baca? It is a place that literally means weeping. Yeah. You're not going to escape that. I don't care who you are, player. I don't care how prayed up you are, super saint. Yeah, you tell us, bless and highly favored. We ask you how you're doing, but you go home and cry yourself to sleep in your pillow. The reality is there's no one who escapes the valley of Baca. No one escapes the time of weeping. No one escapes the stretch of the race. You feel like you can't go on any further. Even if you're a thug, there are thug tears. JC said, you can't see him coming down my eyes, so I had to make the song cry. My, my brother-in-law says, thug tear is when the, it wells up in the corner of your eye, and right before it hits your cheek, it, it turns to dust. <laughs> but you will not escape heaviness. You will not escape sorrow in this life. You will all, you will all go through the valley of Baca. question is... If we have to go through this stretch of the race, what is the strategy to get through this stretch of the race? I'm going to give them to you and then we're going to go home. Number one, you got to extend grace and not take things so personally. 
We're going to get to you in a moment, how you're going to get through, but can I tell you how to help other people get through? In this season, y'all, everybody is dealing with something. You don't see what it took to get them to their stage. Everybody is dealing with something. It's not that people don't care about you. It's that they are nursing their own trauma. And we've never gone through a period where everyone was, was, was leveled. They're nursing their own trauma in your friendships. Give your friends a little grace not to do everything that they used to do because they're not who they used to be. This has, this has transformed. It has caused them to wrestle in places they have not wrestled. They're trying to fight on to hold on to their own faith as you're looking for them to encourage you in yours. In your friendships, in your marriages, in, in, in membership. I've called folks like, hey, I need you to do something today. You're going to be there, you know, just assuming, right? Hardcore OG Antioch members. And it's like, nah, we're going to the beach today. Under normal circumstances, you know, normal year, it's like, yeah, okay, cool. But you feel some kind of way, like, you're just going to go to the beach right now? We're praising the Lord. But listen, there's been a big shift. When you're walking through, running through, and sometimes a race is a walk. That's another message in of itself. Yeah, if you're conditioned and you knew what was ahead of you, sometimes you can run the whole way through. I finished the marathon. I never said I ran. Y'all get, let me try this side. Sometimes the goal is to finish. It is not always the longer it goes, the more it wears on you. You will not always look pretty. You will not always be full stride with your turnover. Sometimes you'll be jacked up hoping nobody you know sees me. I was hiding out hoping nobody from Antioch was out there. There are times where I was walking. They said, Pastor, you walking? I said, yes, I am, but you're spectating, so don't judge me. Because sometimes your race will become a walk. Whatever you have to do to get through, you have to extend grace for people to get through the way they need to get through. If, if it's cool, listen, y'all, listen, listen, there's, they, if they watch this service on Wednesday and still, you know, a member of the church, you know, send their, their love gift to keep these lights on, you know, and even if they can't sometimes, listen to me, it is okay. We have to shift the paradigm because people are fighting to hold on. They're fighting to get through. And if you've been laboring all week and are beat up all week, for some, this is what brings you life and refreshment and vitality. But for others, you, you going to the beach on a Sunday may be it. Now come next week. <laughs> but the idea is extend grace. Don't take it all personally. You know, I couldn't take it personally when folks, you know, some people just extend grace. You know, how, how? Nobody's checked on me. It's 3,000 members like you. Nobody's checked on me this entire quarantine. No, in fact, we did. The pastor didn't check on me the entire quarantine. I have family members I haven't checked on. <laughs> my mom's laughing and nobody else. You get it, mom. Like, my mom's like, why? What did I ever do? I'm like, nothing. I'm in Baca. <laughs> Give people grace. Like, listen, yes. 
The pastor didn't call all y'all. I loved you. I loved you to that camera. I was, you know, I gave it all I had because that's all I had. Some days in Baca, like I smiled and the cameras went off. I just collapsed on the stage. I said, oh, Lord, please let him feel love through this, through what I'm sharing and pouring out my heart. Because in Baca, we have to do what we need to get through. And that's why you can't in this season take it personally. And if you're nursing or you're feeling frustrated or you're isolating yourself from all your relationships because you were offended by them, like Micah said, we need each other to get through here. You cannot isolate yourself in Baca because you're offended that everyone didn't support you like they used to support you. They were supporting themselves trying to, to survive through this wilderness. If we're going to make it through the end of this race, you don't look for all the reasons and understanding in Baha. You get through it. Could you imagine that? You're going through the marathon in the moment that the race, that stretch of the race, you feel like giving up gets hard. You just get on one knee and scream, why? Why? Why, God? Why the pain? Why? the tension, why the hurt. It's like, there's a place for that. But if you're going to finish the race, you've got to spend more time. Even if there was a time where I got to the end of the race a few miles in, I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this, Lord. Every part of me hurts. I said, I hope there's a heel. I'm going to lay down. And you think about these things. And I'm just going to roll. <laughs> I'm going to roll down this bad boy. When you walk through Baca, that journey of the race, spend less time asking why does it hurt? Why am I here? Why is it so long? When is it going to be over? Spend less time crowding the ark and more time. The less you crowd the ark, like when they crossed over into the Jordan, over Jordan, and if you create room, stand back and move with the pace of the Lord. Don't crowd the ark. When's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? When are you going to deliver me? Sometimes you need to stand back. When you stand back and give God room, you can see more clearly which direction you should go. Your creativity begins to come back. Your ear to hear God. Most of us spend time in our valleys murmuring, complaining, and stressing, looking for reasons, demanding answers. Here's the answer. Put one foot in front of the other. Let's get through this and you'll figure it out in reflection and not always in context. Number three. We've got to go. Redefine your wins. Strategy number three. To get through this stretch of the race. Redefine your wins. Give grace to yourself. Give grace to others, but give grace to yourself. Some of us are harder on ourselves than we are on anyone else. Shared that last week. You can't require of yourself everything that you used to produce before. I'm going to try this side. You cannot require everything of yourself that you use. You don't start a race as you're getting positioning. You don't, you don't run down the most difficult stretch of the race five miles in the way you started the race. But you must change your pace. You must recalibrate. You can't require of yourself everything that you used to produce before. Expanded seasons of pressure require, follow me, conservation. You do not run through Death Valley and the Sahara in the same way that you walk or stroll down Shoreline Village or Laguna Beach. You don't bring all the extra bags. 
You don't even sip the same way. You sip like this. <laughs> when you're walking in the Laguna. You in the, you in the desert, you can serve your energy even for how you sip. Anything that is unnecessary, you leave it behind. You leave valuable things on the side of the road because your survival crystallizes. Are you still here with me? You'll leave all that is unnecessary by the side of the road. You conserve your energy, your strength. You don't laugh unnecessarily. You, you sip your water like that. Because you don't know how long the journey is ahead. You cannot require everything of yourself you did in the previous season. Be okay, follow me, with prioritized focus and ruthless cuts in your time. You don't have to do everything you used to do because you're not going to do a good job of any of it. Figure out what to eliminate with your energy. Listen to me. This season, I have folks that are mad at me. I used to labor with them through the same problem every week. I ain't got it. When Peter and John go up to the temple, there's a man laying by the side, the gate beautiful, asking for money, begging for money. And they look at him and say, we're broke. Oh, biblical translation, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. Now, this is not just for miracles. It is for life. You need to be soberly aware of what you have and what you don't have. What you have to give and what you don't have to give. What's going to kill us in the valley is trying to serve up a supply of what we don't have at the moment. I have to tell folks, get a counselor, a professional. I ain't professional. In spiritual matters, and I know a little bit of psychology, not bad, uh, but I can't revisit the same thing every week into perpetuity. Are you, are you with me? I've got to terminate this in action. I have got to be able in this season to speak and something happens. If nothing changes, if nothing shifts, if nothing happens, I'm not your guy in this leg of the race. Baca, that is the ability to cut at that moment things that because, not because you've changed but because there, there's no bandwidth if you don't narrow you're both going to be dead in the valley thank you for that those two sparse claps I'm going to get out of the valley number four we're going to wrap Baca, this place of weeping, is also a place of, it's the place of tragedy, the place of challenge, very interestingly, is also the place of refreshing. This word baca means balsam tree. It's a poetic play on words where the pilgrim or the journeyer or the runner finds that God here turns their tears into a well providing water. So here's the idea. Number one, I think it's beautiful to note that if you keep on walking through this stretch of the race, 
We think man endure for night, but joy comes in the morning. If you keep on walking through this stretch of the race, there's a change that'll come. If you keep on walking through this stretch of the race and don't become weary and well-doing, you'll receive a harvest if you faint not. And often the place that you've had to cry the most is the place where God takes you deeper where God expands your view of him, where God gives you a greater sense of what's possible, a greater sense of your capacity. The thing that was meant to break you, if you keep on walking, you will find becomes a place of beauty. And he said it'll provide a well of water. What's, why is this significant? Because wells are generational blessing. Jesus met with the woman at the well and it was Jacob's well. Jacob had been dead hundreds of years before, yet Jesus shows up and he's sitting at Jacob's well generations after Jacob has been dead. Here's what God says. God says if you learn to make it through this stretch of the race, and please understand, you're not doing this for yourselves. But there are people surrounding you that are connected to you. There are generations unborn that are connected to how well you run this stage of the race. You can die in that valley and that's the example that you will set to the next generation. You can die in this valley and give up on your call, give up on your purpose, give up your resolve, give up on life. If you die in this valley, that's what you pass on to those that are around. That's what you pass on to generations to come. But if you can just hang in there, if you can just push through this valley, if you can just sit from time, from time to time in the valley of weeping with your tears but put one foot in front of the other you'll find that God can take the thing you had to cry about your test and make your test your testimony and here's what's great about a testimony it's not just for you and those around you but they'll tell stories about you long after you're gone people will still come and get refreshed from the well of your trial the well of your difficulty man you had a well the reason that there are four churches popping up and many more across the globe is because you sat there in your valley of Baca people don't know the depth of pain that you had but you came from that place and instead of dying in the valley like everybody else God used that thing to cause his glory to be seeable not only is there a reward in heaven but generations will talk about what you did generations will talk about what you did when you didn't abort a child because you were 17 years old and you would embarrass your preacher daddy but God said if you'll walk with me if you'll seek my face if you'll give him back to me I'll do something with him God sees the tears in your eye the daughter that you almost lost but he saw your resilience when you wanted to give up she's gonna tell her children's children about how you sat there with her and walked by her side God saw every struggle that you've been through I, girl, I know you wanted to give up I know you wanted to give up you didn't have one crazy leg of the race you had marathon after marathon after marathon you lost family members you almost lost your mind but by the grace of God you're writing your book girl right now to tell people what God will do if you can walk through your valley you may not be able to run the race may wear you down but if you have to walk if you have to crawl if you have to like me see the end there and if it's a hill if you have to roll yourself down to get to where you're going you don't stop because there's a glory on the other side of this yeah there's a glory on the other side of this tell somebody tell them hang in there hang in there hang in there 
Yeah, the place that you are challenged becomes the place of your refreshing. I love this. Runners call it the second wind or the runner's high. When you feel like you can't go any further and it's almost over, it's almost done, if you don't give up and push just a little bit more, I can't explain it. I don't understand it physiologically. I'm going to Google it after I leave here. All I know is I've experienced it. Well, I felt I could not go one more step, not five steps, one more step. But something in me said, push through that. Make one more step. And when I made one more step, I felt my strength renewed. And I started to feel like somebody hit the reset button on the race. I don't know who I'm talking to, but God said, if you can keep walking in this valley, he's getting ready to hit the reset but he's getting ready to make it feel like you just started and you've been on this race for this long is there anybody who knows God will give a second win hallelujah 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 second win 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 you will live again you will breathe again you will get through this you shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord in the name of Jesus second win hallelujah hallelujah second win second win we're done I gotta go but you didn't ask how I finished the race if you don't have money, I'll pay for your validation because I said I'll get you out. But I finished the race not because I had a second win, but I was down to the last couple of miles. I was walking. I tried to move. Every muscle was cramping. And a 78-year-old lady came scooting by me. She passed me up and she looked back. She was struggling, couldn't keep her hair, head up. And I thought about this and thought about this stretch of the race. The Bible says here that we go from strength to strength. Glory to glory. It's not the picture of going higher every step. It is the picture of mountains with valleys in between going up and down and up and down in this life you will be up and you will be down you will go up and you will go down and in this season the rhythm of relational reciprocity is broken usually if I'm down and you're up you can pull me up or if you're down and I'm up I can pull you up but what do you do when everybody is in the same stretch of the race this little old lady could tell us she scooted by me she was fighting to hang on couldn't keep her head up to finish the race but as her head was down she caught me in her periphery or in her rear view and she did something even in her own pain that changed my perspective she came back because she knew if she kept going she would make it but I wouldn't she had enough to come back 
and say, I'm in the same pain, but I'm going to make sure I'm not the only one. I'm in the same valley, but I'm not going to be sure, sure I'm not going to be the only one. I know it hurts, but we're going to finish. I know you feel like giving up, but we're going to finish. I know you feel like going in the towel, but we're going to finish. And I looked up, and I could see the finish line. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't have enough energy to pick you up and carry you, but I can run in my own pain, in my own challenge, in my own difficulty. If I could do nothing more but tell you, you're going to make it. You didn't come this far to give up. You haven't been brought this far to throw in the towel. We're almost there. Put your arm around somebody. Tell them I can't pull you up, but I can run with you. You're never alone. And as long as there's breath in my body, we can push through to the other side. Tell somebody, we may be scooting, but we're going to make it. We may be crawling, but we're going to make it. We may even have to walk sometimes, but we are going to make it in the name of Jesus. Tell somebody, we're going to get through this stretch. Let's